0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.
1: They are the fabulous
0: learning nerds. Cause if you're tired of getting it done. You've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Abby are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread
2: the word. They're gonna keep your wheels turning. The fabulous learning
0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of Your Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm Scott Chutey, your host, and with me, my partner in crime, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Dan. What's up, Scott? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. How have you... It's been a, a minute. <laughs> we'll it get has into, been a minute. It has been a minute. Um, we were all set to record last Sunday, and then I woke up and went, oh, <gasps> It's Mother's Day, and so I kind of reminded everybody that it was Mother's Day, and Abby kindly suggested that we not record on a Mother's Day, and that was a good suggestion that we don't record on Mother's good, Day. Good call. Good call. It was a great call. Did, did you spoil your wife on Mother's Day or your mother? I, I did,
1: I, and I lived uh, pretty close to my folks. I uh, drove over to go see my folks. I actually saw my folks on
0: Saturday. The day before oh. Mother's Day, and we hung out. That was nice, nice. And uh, and how was everybody on Mother's Day? I mean, Fair I hope. To I should have seen I gotcha. that coming. I, I know. Seen you shoulda. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Did, yeah, I opened the door. Yeah. You didn't walk in. I don't understand. I what's up with I that? No, no. Hey, you know we should really get the. You should absolutely. We should get the opinion (laughs) of a real mom who understands the importance of Mother's Day. You love her, Abby Dawson. Everybody,
2: hey, Abby, hey, Scott,
0: how was your Mother's Day? Abby
2: was great. Okay. Lots of food.
0: Okay. <laughs> food is good. It was it was good. Okay. All right. You had that look mm-hmm. on your face like it really wasn't great, but you're gonna say it's great. So was it really great?
2: It was great in okay. parts. <laughs> oh. I mean, Mother's Day is like there's a lot, right? Like it, there's a lot of ways for it to
0: go sideways. Not Did it be go sideways? Oh, yeah. I'm a sorry. little sideways. Well, we love okay. you. Folks, if Thank you would you. like to share your love with Abby on Mother's Day, you can email <laughs> us at learningnerdscast at gmail Oh, by the way, we did get an email, and it I can It basically said, "I would like to join in the conversation," which is fantastic. So, if somebody's listening, <laughs> please contribute. Person who sent that email uh, with. What you feel about the conversation that you listen to, which is fantastic. But so you had an overall great Mother's Day, and we're back, and everybody's happy, and that's a good thing, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we missed you a few weeks ago, with Lisa. <laughs> right.
2: We're missing a little bit of enthusiasm this morning. Hey, what are you let's talking about? I know. <laughs> oh,
0: let's go ahead and fix the enthusiasm because we have a very <laughs> special guest with us today. Um, I've known this individual for a few years. He's an incredible. Uh, inspiration to me we we are accountability partners and he's got amazing stories about learning he's doing some fantastic things in his life so without further ado let's invite our uh, special guest mr joe mats everyone with a segment that we like to call what's your deal hey man
3: what's your deal
0: joe hey
3: scott hey my friend what's your deal Yeah, that's quite a question. And um, yeah, I've been thinking about that. Um, My deal is I'm a lifelong learner. I'm also a lifelong teacher. And in thinking about learning and teaching, I I realized I started teaching when I was like seven years old in judo class. And as I moved up the ranks in judo class, I taught the children and adults coming up behind me. So I was a yellow belt. I was teaching white belts. Then I was a green belt and I was teaching yellow belts. And then moving up always teaching behind you know and and enforcing what i had learned at those levels so that that was a great experience um but you know i was going to ask if you were
0: teaching your instructor because you seem that good enough to do that
3: no 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 (laughs) that would have been interesting um but i have lived around the world And I spent nine years in Italy. I spent nine years in Brazil. I've now been in the U.S. in my adult life almost nine years uh, or almost 18 years. Sorry. Yeah. Almost half my adult life. I've lived in the U.S. I was born in the U.S. and traveled overseas, not knowing exactly what I was doing, not speaking the language and not knowing anyone and figured out how to own, operate, start, run over 10 businesses. Wow. In these different countries.
0: I, I wanna, I wanna like not give away everything in, uh, in your background because I wanna, I know you wanna share uh, your lifelong journey experiences and the, in the lessons that we learned that we can go ahead apply here as instruct, you know, as learning professionals. And so, with that, folks, let's go ahead and we'll dive into the topic of the week. All right. Lifeline learning and lessons from that, Joe. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start? Let's let's talk about Italy. Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about what made you go to Italy and, and some of the things that you learned um, by doing what you were doing in uh, Italy and the boot, so to speak.
3: Right. So I graduated college doing exactly what I wanted to do, where I wanted to do it and about 5 months into that i got an offer to go to italy uh, a fellow had lost his eyes on the ground and needed eyes on the ground to look over his interest his business interest in italy so i kind of thought if not now when i had nothing tying me to the us so i went to italy and um kind of fumbled around a little while uh, just you know keeping an eye on things trying to figure out what i needed to do and one thing I wanted to do was to integrate into the society as much as possible as an American foreigner on, on Italy soil. And I avoided Americans. And, and the reason I did that was because I met Americans who had lived in Italy for three, four, five years, and they barely spoke Italian. They, they went to the American church. They went to the American bar. They ate hamburgers. And I decided I wanted to eat pasta. I wanted linguine. You know, I wanted salt boca. I wanted the Italian experience. So I avoided Americans and it was very lonely in the beginning, um, but I little by little, I made some friends. We we would I made lots of actually lots of friends eventually, but I started to speak with a dictionary and I started to learn what I needed to do in my job, um, being eyes on the ground. And eventually I became the sales lead in Italy. And I did that because. The company introduced vitamins and I knew vitamins and and I could talk about vitamins and I could help the sales folks talk about vitamins and that's what I did. I went around the company went around the country teaching salespeople how to speak about and sell vitamins in a culture where vitamins were not the norm. And that was just a lot of fun and I, I enjoyed it a whole lot and, and eventually became the sales lead there.
0: What's your thoughts on that learning process, learning a a second language? You said you used a dictionary for that. Um, And and then how powerful, important was it for you to just kind of like immerse yourself and try to just kind of figure it out? Like today with technology and I've seen people do it, I can go to my phone and I can translate anything you're saying. It'll listen to what you have to say and then it'll go ahead and translate that. Or you can go ahead and buy... um, one of these little pocket translators, right, and um, it'll pick up the language, it'll speak it back, and all that good stuff. But what was your experience in, you know, learning that? Because I, I, might imagine that you didn't
3: know any Italian. I didn't know any Italian. No. Okay. Uh, my first experience was a bad experience. I joined. I joined a course, and this was a course of of foreigners in Italy who wanted to learn Italian. I had just finished sixteen years of school. And now I was working and I got into this course and I lost motivation within five minutes. I stuck with it for a month uh, and, and then I quit. I, I did nothing. I, di- I didn't want to be in school again. And so what I did is I, I did two things. I bought a, ma- a, a magazine, comes out weekly in Italy, or used to anyway, called Topolino. And Topolino is the Italian word for Mickey Mouse. And they're animated stories written in Italian, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, and all the other characters. And so I, start, I figured that'd be easy to learn. And then I started speaking Italian like Mickey Mouse and thought maybe I need to, maybe I need to cut back on this. So I bought some ma- bicycle magazines because that's something I'm interested in. And when you're, when you're reading with a dictionary on your left and what your reading material is in front of you, You've got to have something interesting. Otherwise, it's it's too difficult. It's too hard. It's not interesting. So I got bicycle magazines and I started learning to speak about bicycles in Italian. And then I made some friends that were also cyclists and they helped me to to speak in, in full sentences. And eventually that translated into business talk and, and I moved on with learning the language. But I found... The lesson there was make it interesting. Make it interesting so that you will be motivated to learn. Because learning a foreign language, even on foreign soil, is not easy. Um, I remember my first sentence. So I'm in my hotel. I've been there a day or two. And and I'm studying and I'm studying. I'm looking at this, you know, this this one phrase. And because I need to go out and, and find this out, right? I needed to buy... Um, Gosh, what was it? Holy smokes. Oh, I needed the train. I needed to get on train number 95. So I studied this phrase, how to get on on, on train or autobus, or bus 95. So I had it down, right? And now I'm ready to go on the street. I'm ready to speak Italian. And I said, I said, como si trove autobus numero 95? And I should have said 95, which would have been 95 in Italian. But I said 95 in English. And the problem was when I got directions on how to find that bus, I didn't understand a word he said.
2: So you got the first part. <laughs> you can ask a question. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did you nod your head and just kind of go okay? Seemed right.
3: like a good now, idea at the time. Italians Italian speak with their hands, so I was able to follow the way he pointed, and then I asked someone again. Yeah. Kind of na- narrowing down on it.
2: So, Joe, that brings me to a question I kind of have. So, there's. There's learning the words of a language, and then there's learning to have conversations, and the conversations are more than the words, right? How did you bridge that? It sounds like that was your first introduction to realizing you didn't that the words weren't going to be enough; that you had to learn how to actually converse. Um, how'd you bridge that piece?
3: Very slowly, and it just took time. The first, um, the the first thing was talking with one person. So when you're one-on-one and someone is is flexible enough to understand, you don't understand the language very well. They'll slow down, they'll use simple language, they'll use more hand gestures. And that conversation can, can go on. That probably took six months, eight months. In a conversation, the Italians and, and anyone, I guess, in any language will speed up and they'll talk faster. And I was always two sentences behind. So they're like, yeah, Joe, you know, seems like a nice guy, but he's really quiet. Well, that's because I was two sentences behind. And I'm translating in my head. Um, That probably took a good 18 months before I could keep up with it. And then there's the phase where you understand the jokes and the cultural references. And that gets rough. If you go to Italy and you say, no soup for you, they're not going to, even if you say that in Italian, they're not going to understand what you're saying. Because Seinfeld at that time had, had wasn't even around, right? But it, it took it did take a while to get there. So there's cultural references. Also, when you understand that, then you've really got the language down.
2: And when you started incorporating and actually teaching folks how to sell in that language, sales is in itself a whole different language, even in the U.S., How in the world did you start to piece together what a sales process would be in Italian?
3: Well, I really educated the salespeople on vitamins and on the benefits of integrating vitamins to your regular diet and the health benefits of that. So what they did was more consultative or informative type sales conversation with folks they were talking. And they would they would just talk about vitamins. Now, one advantage is they they could say, you know, everyone in America is taking vitamins. That would that would pique the interest at that time. Um, You know, there was a good relationship and there still is with Italians in America. And um, they would just talk about the benefits and then their personal benefits from taking those vitamins, because I had all the salespeople take the vitamins that they've Right, you've got to experience your benefits so that you can talk about them with more more influence and more confidence.
0: You know, from a sales perspective, I'm sure you know Abby, who loves sales, might jump in a little bit here. But you know, that's really, really true for those folks that are designing for um, for sales, and we talk about that a lot. Like, you know, we got to have some personal connection, Um, either understanding of what those benefits are without your personal experience, either through testimonials or you know, being around the product from a relev- relevancy standpoint, but nothing speaks louder than I understand this and I understand the benefit of it because I went through it. So I think that's one thing from a sales perspective. We can go ahead and translate that. I think that's cool. The other thing that you brought up, which I think is really, really important is this idea of relevancy. And, and um, I think it's awesome that you, you learned by uh, Reading Mickey a uh, magazine on Mickey Mouse, I I would probably pick up comic books, right, and then try to figure it out that way. Um, so there's some personal connection or personal relevancy, and I think that's really important from a learning perspective. And 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 your experience in you know um, learning a different language via a course, uh, I've. I've experienced that. I don't know if Abby and Daniel have that. When they made me take a second language in, in college, so I went to this course that I didn't want to go to. Um, and I think I remember three or four things, you know. Je parle en français un peu. That's about it. I mean, that's what I, <laughs> that's all I really remember. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Où est le Apparently is, where is the bathroom, which is probably a good thing. But And again, your answer would be, I, I wouldn't be able to translate that. So, I mean, relevance you know, is super important. Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, you know, funny story, because I also took three years of French. French one, French
1: two, and French two. Uh And um, (laughs) I don't remember any of it, because none of it got used. None of it got used. And, you know, yeah. And so, Joe, to hear hear you come at this from the other side, where you're like, well, I'm in Italy now, so better learn Italian. Uh, And just the process of, like, the sense of, like, just immersing yourself. And like jumping in with both feet is, is awesome. And then to Abby's point, having to not just learn Italian, but then learn enough to teach other people how to sell, that's nuts. That's crazy. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, I I think it's, it's very important, the motivation to learn and the utility of learning. Um, and definitely my motivation was very high because I wanted to eat, you know, <laughs> I wanted to... <laughs> I, I didn't want to be isolated for the rest of my life. So I, I had to learn. Italian. I had made a commitment to stay in Italy for two years. That was the initial commitment. And so I was going to learn the language. No doubt.
2: Yeah. My husband lived in um, Europe for a year. And I remember one of the first motivations he had to get much better at speaking. He was living in Germany. was speak German. He wanted to order food that he actually wanted. He said, I kept <laughs> randomly ordering things because I didn't know what I was looking at. And I'd get something, and I didn't like it. And he was like, I wanted to start eating food that I actually wanted to eat.
3: <laughs> right. So. right. Yeah. One of the things I learned in adult learning theory is it's got to be relevant. It's got to be something you can use right away and something you you almost need to use right away. Otherwise, we have so much going on. We just put it off.
0: You did some work in Italy and then you went and did it again in Brazil.
3: Right. So I got after five years in Italy, I got an offer to go to Brazil and start the company in Brazil to what what I had done in, and seen in Italy. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing I asked, um, so what what do you want me to do in Italy? Uh, or what, I'm sorry. What do you want me to do in Brazil? And I was told this. What you saw in Italy, we want you to duplicate in Brazil. That was my job description. So
2: I'm fascinated by that, Joe, because I've been in those positions before, and it's never actually been the same thing. So I've gone in with confidence, like, oh, I've done this before. I'm going to knock it out of the park. I know exactly what to do. I get into the new role, and I'm like, it's not the same. (laughs) So... Have was that your experience, or what was that process like?
3: It was kind of scary, um, yeah. And it was not the same. Brazil is different from Italy, um, so it was it was um, a lot more challenging than I would have imagined. Because I did think, oh yeah, I've seen this. I've done some of this. <laughs> I haven't done it all. I've done some, maybe, and and I but I've seen it and I can duplicate it. Yeah, it it took a little bit more than that, right? um, because it's a different culture and a different language, I had to learn how to operate on Brazilian soil. And that was, that was exciting, scary, frustrating, and exhilarating all at the same time.
0: What are some of the differences that you found there? I'm super interested in this. Like, you know, you say it, and and I would agree with you. It would be super exciting. I'd be super terrified as well. Like what, what, you know what what do i need to do like what are some of the you've, you know you even american culture which is its own thing and now i've learned italian culture and then we go to brazil so what are the what are some of the key differences that you found there and,
3: yeah so the brazilians are very laid back um they're very laid back they're very creative and they're super nice and they're wonderful wonderful people there and i just uh, found great great folks um but laid back and they get things done not always in a straight line. In fact, I might say usually in a curvy line. And there's a word in Brazil that you need to know. It's called jeito. And jeito is used in in the sense it's hard to translate. Um, If you say, hey, I need this document in one hour. And the guy says, no, there's no way. I can't do it in an hour. I can maybe tomorrow, maybe after tomorrow. And you say, but I need it in an hour. He says, but there's no time. I can't do it today. And you say, Ma isn't there a way you could, you could give it un jeito? Right? In, in Portuguese, it might be, Ma não dá para dar um getinho. Um And what that means, and, and the response from the guy. So you say, isn't there a way you could, you could give it some jeito? And the guy says, huh, oh, maybe. Yeah, I think I can do it in one hour. <laughs> it is a magical word.
1: <laughs> okay so i'll bite what is, yeah what what like best guess what is the translation of
3: jato oh gosh dan i was afraid you would ask me that i'm so oh. sorry <laughs> how much
0: money does jato mean in in brazil because that's what i would assume it would mean <laughs> like <it.
3: laughs> oh no, Scott, you want to talk about the despachante. Okay. Yes, we can talk about that. But sure. the jetto, how do you how do you translate jetto? You translate jetto into a way. Isn't there a way? Isn't there a roundabout way? Isn't there some trick or some magical thing you can do to get it done? It, it kind of kind of invokes okay. that type of spirit. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you found that that now, would work?
3: You try it. Try it in, in America. See if it works.
0: <laughs> well, I would I have know. to explain what Jato <laughs> means first, right? <laughs> my experience with that, hey, can, is there a way, a way that you can figure this out? I've, that, that's a 50-50 crapshoot for me. That's my experience, uh, depending upon look, I've engagement.
1: Definitely had, I've definitely had leaders who when I've been like, oh, man, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that done in the time frame you're asking and they're like, find a way. So I guess that's kind of the same thing. So if, like a leader looks at me, he's like, find a way. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll find a way.
0: <laughs> okay. I think, yeah, I think Joe's count- approach is a little more uh, hum- human versus <laughs> you may have to find another job, Dan. <laughs> that's what I yeah. hear. When you say that you find a way, like you better find a way or you're out of here.
3: Right. <laughs> Yeah. so so Scott, a, des, a despachante
0: mm-hmm.
3: is someone who has connections and can get things done for a fee. Okay. For example, if, if you need a passport, it might take two months, but you go to a despachante and pay him a little bit of money and give him the forms, and he gets it done in three days.
1: So I'm not. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Isn't that a bribe? no No, okay okay
0: no No, it's a service dan there's a difference between a bribe and a A, service service fee it's a service Mm -hmm. fee
3: my bad Mm -hmm. okay okay the expectation (laughs)
0: with the service fee is that you'll actually get the work done correct
3: joe that i like that yes scott Yeah. a A bribe is there is
0: no guarantee with a bribe that's my experience that's true that's true Mm -hmm.
2: That's your experience? Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you.
0: Thank you.
1: I was like, I was like, do we do I derail us right now and ask Scott what his experience with Bribes is? Or is that like a is that a off podcast thing? Because I've uh,
0: there's a podcast We were gonna talk about that offline. We're gonna give Joe the mic back. <laughs> all right,
2: Continue, Scott, get Joe. us back on track. <laughs> so
0: all right. Now you and I talked about you part of your opportunity within Brazil is you had the opportunity to speak in front of lar- large crowds. You want to talk a little bit about that and some learnings you got from that? Because that was pretty impactful for me when you had that conversation.
3: Right. So I started doing uh, um, talks and, and sales conversations in small groups, and then those groups became larger. And I was always um, translated in the beginning. I had a, a s- consecutive, is called consecutive translator. So I would speak a sentence, they would speak a sentence. I would speak a sentence, they would speak that sentence. And that went on for longer than I wanted it to because I was not given the okay by um, my host to speak in Portuguese. But then the crowds grew. So I got on the speaking circuit and I was still um, speaking in English for a while, uh, but I got to travel all over Brazil and it was absolutely amazing. The topics I spoke on were were um, priorities management. You might think of that as time management and personal productivity and sales. And th- these weren't new concepts, but I was able to speak from the American Italian perspective, and it was it, it was desired. So I I got to travel all over and and visit a whole lot of Brazil. Um, it was exciting, and then. I finally was was good enough in Portuguese that I was allowed to speak on stage in Portuguese. And that just made it totally, totally fun. Um, I remember speaking in Bahia. Bahia is basically on the equator. It's very hot. And after eh, probably 300 people in an outdoor setting, the fellow came to me and he said, Joe. That was such a great speech. And I said, oh, I'm glad you liked it. He said, it, it was great. Nobody fell asleep. So this, this was the big compliment. Nobody fell asleep during my talk. And I, I often said they, they let me speak and they let me go around and, and, and speak to folks because my accent was such and my Portuguese was at such a level, people had to pay attention. They couldn't relax because they wouldn't understand because my Portuguese was not that good.
0: Um, and, and you were talking to me about that um you had, oh I, I hate to say it, chills in your audience. Well, you had people who were there part- uh, and paid to be there to um create a buzz.
3: Um so there there were folks in the audience who were um I, I guess they were collaborators in a way. So when I was introduced to on stage, they would stand up and give a standing ovation and clap, clap, clap and hoot and holler. And, and so everyone else followed suit and it got, got the crowd excited. Um, before I, I got to town, uh, they actually ran some contests every once in a while. Not, not every place I went, but they would talk about certain goals to reach. And if you met, met that goal, you got to go to dinner with Joe after the talk. And oftentimes, we'd have 20 to 30 people out for pizza after after my talk. And we would just gather around and and chat. That was a lot of fun and and a chance for me to get to know the people there. Um, You know, one time we were talking, and everyone's gathered around because I'm talking. There's a lot of people in the restaurant. And somebody on another table called one of the participants over and says, hey, who who is that? What, what, What church is that? And they said, no, that's not a church. He's, that's, that's Joe. He's a, he's a businessman. And, and the guy says, no, no, no. He must be a preacher because everybody's huddled around listening to him. I thought that was really funny. So
0: having, having people who are there to help you create in excitement, not a bad idea, especially for, um, in, in today's environment like web calls. Um, that's a strategy that I know that my team has done many, many times like, okay, I know what questions to ask. So if we put it out there, what questions people uh, have, and we get crickets, which can happen, you got somebody in the in the room that can actually provide or help give you a, a push. And if you don't have that person, you can certainly do that as a facilitator too. like, toss out a question to get people to think so i thought that was really interesting that they provided that for you so you didn't have to think about that that's that's great and i and i love even if it's not um completely genuine i, I love the idea that i'm going to get a standing ovation i think that that's a really great thing so
3: yeah that's that does feel good getting on stage and and speaking on stage is absolutely amazing um, oh yeah for, for sure me. i you know i know people are some people are very scared of that but i would suggest you do it just try it Start small. The energy and the, the exchange of energy is absolutely amazing when you're on stage.
2: So, Joe, I've got a question. <laughs> you've, um, you've been in a lot of uncomfortable situations. You've grown from a lot of those. I'm curious, when you started out in Italy, when you started out in Belize, if you were in a position where you didn't know what was going on or you felt like you didn't have what you needed to get through a situation, like you didn't have the language skills or you didn't have the understanding of the culture. Um, Are you someone who has always kind of leaned in to say, well, what do I need to do better? Or did you become that person? Were you at some point in your life, someone who was like, oh, it's uncomfortable. Maybe I need to back out (laughs) or go find myself somewhere that is more comfortable. I'm guessing that you were the first kind of person, the lean towards it.
3: Yeah, Abby, I I think you're right. Um, I've always done that um, with sports in in the beginning. You know, before I got into business, I would do that with sports. And and I did that with with college courses and I leaned in. Yeah, Um, uncomfortable situations, they're not really so enjoyable, but it gets better. You know, as you lean in and you learn what you need to learn, and and you apply that, and then you adjust along the way. You know, one of, one of the examples I like is when they first shot a rocket to the moon. They kind of aimed at the moon and shot the rocket, and they adjusted along the way because they knew they, were, they would be hundreds of miles off with just a small degree of difference on Earth. You'd be hundreds of miles off by the time you got to the moon. So you make adjustments along the way. And I think if you take a lot of the life activities and experiences that you're able to start and then adjust along the way, we all understand beginners. And we're all beginners when we start something new. Do what you can, learn what you need to do, and adjust along the way. Love that. Love
0: that. I love that too. You, um, you then move on from Brazil and you went and... I believe you opened up an, an English language school. You want to talk to us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. So I went to Italy and I, I first started in Milan. My first five years was in Milano, Italy. And then I went to Abruzzo. And Abruzzo is on the Adriatic. Um, we, you know, It's just a beautiful area. And I thought I would try something new. I'd get a job of, in, in a physical location with a boss close by. And I tried that and it didn't work. Um, the boss ended up saying, no, we're Joe, we're not going to do that. I said, but what about what we talked about? No, we're, we're not going to do that. I'm like, okay, then I'm out of here. And I decided, you know, I don't need that at this stage in my life. I don't need that. So I started hanging up eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper around the town that said, if you want to learn English, call Joe. That was my advertising, right? And um, I started getting calls, and I started teaching English. Now, what I did before I started teaching was to find a system that would work for me for teaching English. So I went to the largest bookstore. it was about 50 minutes away by train, and I spent the afternoon in the bookstore looking at their various English courses and books that they had. chose one that made sense to me and I started using that to teach English. I started getting clients, I started getting more clients, I started raising my fees. I started teaching on Saturday. I raised my fees again, and then I started hiring teachers. And I hired mother tongue English speakers. And eventually we started teaching Spanish and German in public schools, private schools, companies, uh, community associations, and private lessons. It was, it was amazing because I, I loved teaching English. Um, it, was, it was great. And then I only worked eight and a half months a year because Italy is a beautiful country with thousands and thousands of miles on the water. And nobody likes to work or do extra things during the summer because there's so much other things to do. And so during the summer, I, I had off and I started a, a mountain bike tourism school with some friends. We would take, we would take tourists up to the mountains and go cycling. Um, but teaching English, I, I taught children and I, I taught adults. And that I had to learn how to make it relevant and how to give them practice in the language immediately. Because like Dan spoke about, you know, and, and Scott, when you take a course in school and you're not going to use the language, the motivation is very low. The retention is very low. So I started the students out the first day having conversations. And they weren't long conversations. They were like, hello, what's your name? Conversations. And that, that's about as far as we got the first day. Um, but then we built upon that. When I was able to get into the middle school in town that' was a small town right i I met every student in that school once a week for a half hour in small groups and I taught them how to introduce me to their parents if they happened to see me walking around town and it was the most Fun. These twelve-year-olds say, "Ah, oh, Professor Mats, Professor Mats," and they they would introduce me to their parents in English, and their parents would be like, "Oh, wow, <laughs> my son, he's speaking English." It was, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. But that's awesome. You know, you make it relevant and you make it fun, and you get you get the folks practicing and using what they're learning. And I found that the retention is so much higher at that point.
1: You know, I think I love that. And that's like the rule for learning everywhere, like not just for language, but like if you make it fun and engaging and you make sure that they're going to use it, like people are going to remember stuff. I feel like too often we like we decide I'm going to teach people some facts just in case. And then we spend a lot of time to teach them some facts. And then they don't use them until six or seven months later when they do need them, and then when they don't remember them, we're upset at them like why didn't you remember this obscure arcane fact I taught you half a year ago, and it's like because they never used it like why why would you remember that? We're all busy people. there's way more important things, and here you are talking exactly about like best learning practices in your like your English speaking school in Italy, which is so jealous, so jealous. It's so amazing.
2: (laughs) And I, I love that example. I love that. Not only did you find a way for them to use it, but in a meaningful way that would add to their experience of learning the language, because I know not only would I be excited to see my son speaking another language, he would be excited that I was excited for him. So it just reaffirms and validates for him that he's done a good thing and that it was worthwhile to do. And I think I love that you didn't over engineer it. Like it, it was a simple introduction. So it doesn't you don't have to find this incredibly elaborate plan to make something sticky and effective. Um, I think it's a great example of good execution, Joe.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it was I was looking for the immediate win. I mean, we've all been twelve years old before, right? You want an immediate win. <laughs> you want something that's gonna gonna happen right now, especially in today's world with, with Everything going on, and and the retention rate and and the attention rate going down. You want that immediate win, and and that's true for adults too.
0: Awesome. So you transition into doing all this stuff from a learning perspective, learning all these things and and all the uh, experiences that you had. I know you talked about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, actually, I'll pause there for a minute. Talk a little bit about that because that's something that. I would love to do, but probably wouldn't, but I would love to know your experience, and I would love to know what you learned from that, uh, and then we can go ahead and transition into you know what you're doing today, how all this kind of applies, right? So the things we've
3: learned and how we apply it. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, so I'm not a mountain climber, and the eight folks that made up the mountain climbing team are not mountain climbers, and here's how it happened I'm, I'm sitting. At an inspirational spot, we we call it a bar, and I'm drinking beer. And my dad says to me, Hey, Joe, if I climb Mount Kilimanjaro, will you come with me? And I was a few beers in, and I'm like, Sure, why not? And I didn't know he was serious. But we started looking and researching with the question Could this be done? And could this be done by us? And we found out Mount Kilimanjaro is a difficult hike of seven days uphill. You don't need mountain climbing equipment. Uh, You do need some cold weather sleeping equipment and hiking equipment. You need the right boots. But you could do it. It, It's possible. And we we, we got other family members involved. And we would be accountable on Sunday to post pictures of where we had hiked during the weekend as part of our training regimen. Um, I learned that accountability was very important because you didn't want to arrive Sunday and not have a picture to post in our, in our private uh, social media group. So then we started learning about the equipment we needed. Um, you know, one thing that, that people have found very interesting, my dad wanted a trainer. He wanted a private trainer to help him get in shape to climb a mountain. So he goes online and looks for trainers, right? And a lot of people are saying, get, get rid of your bad body, your dad bod, right? Lose, lose three inches, get rid of those love handles, all things like that, right? Get your, get your pre-baby body back kind of thing. And there was one guy who said, I help middle-aged men climb mountains. That was his tagline. And that's the guy my dad hired for obvious reasons. And and he learned what he needed to do to get in shape uh, so that he could climb the mountain. And, you know, one of the learning things of climbing the mountain is that we, we were able to do it because we had expert guides. Our main, main man was called MC. Right? We used to call MC Hammer. And he helped us get up the mountain. And his one of the words I remember is pole pole which means slow, slow. It's not a race. It's a marathon. And you take slow steps because you're going up into altitudes where oxygen is, is less prevalent in, in, you know, than sea level. Kilimanjaro is 19,341 feet. high, And breathing is, is not so easy up there, so you go slow. You take a step. Two steps maybe to go as far as you might go with one step when we're walking normally. Um, We had awesome people helping us out to get up that mountain. We had the guide. So there were eight climbers and there was 48 people helping us get up the mountain. The Sherpas, if you will. They carried tents. They carried some of our equipment. They carried food. We had fresh eggs every morning that someone had to carry up the mountain. So that we could have those fresh eggs. Yeah, there was a lot of help, and without them, we never would have made it up the mountain. the The, the main guide he had guy, he had his assistant guides, and he would train them. So part of his job was training his assistants so that one day they could be guides. And it was it was great watching him do this because sometimes MC would be in the back of the group and he would have one of his assistants leading us so they could learn how to lead and then some days he would be in the front with the assistant or the assistant would be in the back but they were they were switching roles as mc gave more and more responsibility to his assistants so that one day the assistant will become a lead guide and that on the job training and putting putting the assistant in the position of being the leader I found, um, very inspirational.
2: Joe, so it sounds like you've had a lot of roles where you didn't even know what you didn't know when you started, um, putting training together. I've been in that position many times where people have asked me to design a training where I have no knowledge of the content at all. And, um, I've had to create training anyway, which is fine as a trainer. That's a, that's a lot of our role. What advice would you give somebody who's in that position? You're, you, you've got a task and you, you literally don't even know what you don't know. What, what would you do?
3: Start with the very basics. Start with the very basics and then compose a list of things you need to know, of what you think you need to know. And as you go through that list, you'll be adding things to that list. Um, give you an example. When I went to Brazil and I had to set up a business in Brazil. And I know nothing about setting up a business in Brazil. I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew and I recognized that I didn't know. I asked the American consulate for a recommendation for a lawyer who spoke English. And I took that lawyer to lunch. First guy said, no, I'm not doing that. No, the second guy said, sure, I'll go to lunch with you. We, We had antipasta. We had pasta. We had a bottle of wine on the table. Uh, we, had a, a, we had steak, oh my gosh, the steak in Brazil. And then we had dessert. And all the time I was drilling him for questions, with questions about setting up a business in Brazil. So that when I spoke with a Brazilian lawyer who was, became my lawyer, I knew the right questions to ask. I wasn't going to get finagled, right? It's, it's like getting into a taxi cab in a city you don't know and he takes the scenic route. I didn't feel like I was in that position Because I spent $230 on lunch with this lawyer. And that helped me to learn a little bit more, Abby, of of what I needed to know. I was still green, but at least I knew the direction and I knew some intelligent questions to ask.
2: I think that's great advice to invest in yourself and in the project early on.
0: (laughs) So you know as we uh, start to wind some things down love the stories love uh, the lessons they're they're absolutely fantastic um, talk a little bit about apexable today and what you're doing and then how all these experiences have helped you from a learning perspective the modalities from a learning perspective be successful at what you're doing here in the states with apexable
3: so i help business owners and solopreneurs and executives who want to get out of the corporate world. I help them stand out from the crowd and create a unique signature program that they can bring their clients through. So they have knowledge, experience, and expertise, but they don't know how to market that because they've never been in a situation where they had to market that or they've been doing it and it hasn't been working. So we take the knowledge, experience, and expertise and find out what problems they're uniquely suited to solve. And, you know, that takes some learning about yourself. It takes really digging down into what have you done? Where have you had success? Where have you had failure? Where have you felt most comfortable? Where have you felt most excited and and energized in doing what? And what makes you unique? And it, it sometimes takes someone from outside. And I know for me, it did. I didn't realize my superpower was starting over. <laughs> that's kind of, um, I was kind of depressed when, when I realized that. But that's what I've done. You know, I've started over different languages, different businesses all through my life. So what I do now is I help people redesign business, transform their business. To make it more personal and more unique. And the learning process that goes through that, it's it's like a, a it's like an extended aha moment where people learn, wow, yeah, that that does have value. People we we all have experience, we all are unique in, in certain ways, and that uniqueness has value in the marketplace. Let's find where it has value. Let's find your uniqueness, your superpower, and find where that has value. Um that's different from starting with the problem. That's different than starting with the niche market, right? We start with the individual. And I think that's where where the learning is. I think that's where the aha moments are.
2: Sounds like the guy who taught middle-aged men to hike Kilimanjaro had that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so I do that with one-on-one and group coaching, but I also have a, a program online now. It's free if you have the code. So the online program, it's the first one that I've done, and it, I call it Attract, Don't Chase. It's about attracting more clients, standing out from the crowd, um, creating an extraordinary value, and composing your compelling message. There's tremendous value in it, more value than I thought I was going to put in, because I kept expanding it and expanding. And um, I was was very generous with information and sharing that course. So I think it's a great course to do. I'm coming up with something much better, but this one is free right now or close to free, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, I think it's a great place to start. And, you know, it's if you like what you see and you like what you hear and you like the style, then maybe we should work together. Maybe there's more value to come. If you don't, I'm not offended. It's not a problem. Find someone who you relate to.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, as we begin to uh, put things together, is there any one thing that you'd want to share with our audience that you didn't have an opportunity to talk about? You shared a lot of great stuff. Is there any like key leave-behinds or key aha moments or best practices you want to share with our audience?
3: Yeah, I would just say very simple. Um, don't do what I did in waiting so long to really find out what your superpower is and that your uniqueness, it doesn't make you weird. It just makes you unique and different and that is awesome and and explore that because there's value in the marketplace because there's other people who are, if I could say this, that that are different in the way that you're different, that are strange in the way that you're strange and they will identify with you. You don't need a billion people. You don't need a million people in most businesses. You need to find the few that, are, that become your tribe.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time here this morning. Yes. Okay. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. All right. All right. That's enough. Hey, could you do us a favor? Could you let our audience know how they could connect more with you?
3: Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes or directly on my website, which is Apexable.com. Don't forget the dash. It's Apex-Able.com.
0: Thank you, Joe. Appreciate all your stories. Peach. the knowledge and the wisdom. Don't stop learning, everybody. Learning's a lifelong journey. It's a great, cool thing. daniel Yes, Scott. Did you do me a solid and let everybody know how they could connect with us? Absolutely. All
1: right, party people. If you haven't already,
0: hit us up at learningnerdscast at gmail.com.
1: Email us any questions you may have. Finish up on a, maybe an email you sent earlier last week where you said, would love to talk more. That would be cool. Uh, email us any questions you may have for Joe. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. And finally, for our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. Scott?
0: Hey, everybody, do me a favor. Could you go ahead and hit that subscribe button? Share this episode out with your friends. If you're getting us on a podcast or like Stitcher or iTunes, leave us a review. We got a whole bunch of really good reviews. Let us know how we're doing. It helps us improve the show that we deliver to you and get our word out to more folks. With that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. I'm Joe. And we're your fabulous learning nerds. And we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If If you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.